It is Sunday, May 3rd. Time for a, another edition of the daily Come On Now MMA podcast. And right before I sat down here to record, I saw uh, what we what I can only call a uh, Come On Now moment in that John Jones posted on at least Twitter that he and Greg Jackson went to a archery center in Albuquerque and picked up a compound bow for Jackson. And in the photo, five uh, five folks, including Jones and Jackson, are pretty much standing shoulder to shoulder inside the shop, I assume. Um, so no social distancing. No one is wearing a mask. Uh, New Mexico is under stay-at-home orders. Um, a shop like an archery center, I'm going to assume, is a non-essential business. As a non-essential business, according to New Mexico, you're allowed to do um, drive-up business and curbside delivery, I think it was. Um, and I think that's it. Um, so this is one of those things that ends up like a Tony Ferguson kind of meme where Tony, Tony Ferguson, the kind of guy... So, John Jones and this kind of guy who's going to, you know, violate a stay-at-home order, ignore social distancing, and not wear a mask, and then post a photo of it all on Twitter. So, I mean, take that. I just I just found it uh, kind of funny because, one, it's John Jones and to its John Jones. Also on Twitter, um, saw some posts here from Lauren Murphy. Let me pull them up if I can. So there was a discussion on MMA managers online on Twitter, um, and Murphy replied to something that uh, Josh Gross wrote, and her reply was, and this is in reference to managers in, in the MMA world. Most, not all, would rather have a quote-unquote good relationship with a matchmaker or promotion than actually advocate for their fighters. So they'll accept any deal, even the shitty ones, with no negotiations or argument, take their 10 to 20% and wash their hands of any responsibility. And then she added onto that I don't understand when fighters who say I'll fight anyone in my division also have a manager. If you'll accept any opponent under the contract you're on, then why give 10 to 20% of your purse to a middleman? This is something I also wonder about in that it really makes no sense for many fighters who are on a standard kind of UFC deal to have a, a manager and give their give that manager 10 to 20% when there's really no nego- negotiations that the UFC will engage in. So a fighter it's in that's in the lower part of the pack or in the middle of the pack, they're probably going to have to take what the UFC gives them as far as the money. Uh, and if they don't have a marketable name they're not going to be able to land outside 
sponsorships because that's very difficult in the MMA world right now, especially in the UFC since those sponsorships exclude uh, cage time and many pre-fight interviews. So those sponsors aren't going to get much camera time. So you're going to have to be a pretty big name to land a decent sponsorship. Um, and, and a manager can help with that. But again, you're going to have to be a pretty big name on that one. So I think Murphy is right. Um, you, you, you don't, if, if you don't need a manager, I don't think, unless you're up in the upper echelon and you have room to negotiate with the UFC and we know that very few fighters have that kind of wiggle room, and also very few fighters can land um, upper upper echelon, top-notch sponsorships. Um, so why give? I mean, why give ten percent of your of your purse to to a manager? And if any manager in an MMA is getting more than that. They shouldn't be, um, unless they're going well above and beyond. And there's really no evidence of that um, outside maybe uh, a Conor McGregor who can land uh, uh, significant endorsement deals. So, yeah, 10% should be a max. 20% is sounds kind of criminal. Um, 0% should be most of the UFC roster. I've been covering some of the stupid things people say online about my take on MMA, mostly my approach to what I cover. Um, most of it is adversarial to the UFC. And as I said in the past... That's not negative. If you think it's negative, you're you're not you're you're not thinking about it too too deeply. It's critical, sure. It deserves to be critical. And so, um, a couple times, and I haven't addressed this before, but I'm going to now. A bunch of people have said that if my stance is that they, they should not UFC should not be holding uh, events in Jacksonville here in the coming weeks then I should stick by my you know stick stick to my guns and uh, not cover the events that's one thing that gets said and I'll address that and by saying that's not how things work um, I have a boss and that boss expects me to cover UFC events that boss also might know my stance on the UFC business and how I feel about the uh, UFC two, UFC 249 and the other two events in Jacksonville and how they're probably not going to be up to snuff when it comes to safety. So if my boss does know that, I don't think... I mean, like I said, he might respect that, but I don't think cares too much about that because my job is to cover the fights. So if I say no, I can guarantee you that there's going to be somebody that will say yes and they will take my jobs so I'm not gonna cut my throat and not cover the fights because I have to because it's my job there's three things you can refuse uh, a job request it's unsafe immoral or illegal 
I can't refuse to cover UFC events on any of those stances. I mean, I, I might think that it's immoral, but in the bigger picture of society, UFC holding these events is not immoral. So my stance is, is uh, easily dismissed. And if I refuse to cover it, I will be easily dismissed. So that argument holds zero water. It's made by simpletons who can't think um, outside what they see directly in front of their eyes. It's just a dumb argument. Um, the other argument is the UFC makes my job possible. Mm. Mm. Sure, I mean, I cover the UFC for the most part, and that's true, I guess. But so what? If the UFC wasn't here, I'd still have a job. It might not be doing what I'm doing now, but that's a, another argument that makes no sense to me. And why... I mean, movies... If there were no movies, movie critics wouldn't have jobs. If there was no music, music critics wouldn't have jobs. If there was no art, art critics wouldn't have jobs. But there is, and so they do. And so there is a UFC, and so I do have a job. Doesn't mean I have to thank them. Just means that that's my job right now. Before it was the UFC, I worked in warehouses and manufacturing. If the UFC wasn't here, I'd probably still be doing the same thing. And the last thing is, the, the most ridiculous, is that I should be thanking Dana White for giving me a job. Dana White didn't give me the job. I, I got the job through, through time and effort and my work. That Dana White's the head of the UFC doesn't mean he gave me that job. Another stupid argument. But... I mean, I'm sure I'm going to hear it again and again this week. And I'm, I usually ignore it. I just wanted to address it to express my feelings that these things are just stupid and they make no sense. And they're usually thrown out by simpletons. And I'll leave it at that. So that's where I come down on that. Ahead of these Jacksonville events, the Association of Ringside Physicians has... Um, changed its mind on presenting uh, MMA cards under the current environment. Um, in early in April, they and this is from ESPN from Mark Romandi. Early in April, the association recommended that quote all combat sporting events be postponed until further notice. And now that. Florida has deemed sports an essential business and okayed the UFC to compete in Florida and they will be overseen by the Florida Boxing Commission. The ARP has changed their stance and it now reads, Combat sports event procedures regarding COVID-19 precautions should be actively, actively developed regularly reviewed and modified based on the evolving knowledge and scientific evidence put forth by public health authorities. These guidelines should also involve local and regional public health officials as well as infectious disease experts and epidemiologists. Um, and uh, so, okay. Have we seen that from the UFC? No. 
Have we seen that from the Florida Boxing Commission? No. I mean, there's there's going to be, allegedly going to be, testing and screening. No one has said COVID-19 testing and screening. I've reached out to the Boxing Commission twice. Uh, got a reply that they were going to do more or less the same thing they always do. I reached out to the Florida Department of Public Health to see if the Boxing Commission or the UFC reached out to them. They did not answer that question directly. They just said that they advise uh, these the sports to follow the CDC guidelines, and that did not they didn't like I said they did not say that either party, the UFC or the Boxing Commission, had reached out to them. So the ringside physicians. I think expect these things to be done or they're at least saying they expect them to be done but we're seeing no evidence that they are being done so that's a concern and you can argue with me if you want that the UFC said there'd be testing and screening of everyone at the event but the fact is testing and screening are two very vague terms and they do not mean COVID-19 testing and screening other than maybe asking some questions in the screening process. If, if COVID-19 testing and screening was going to be done, I would expect the UFC to be screaming this from the rooftops and because it's good PR. It makes them look good being the first sport back other than bull riding. And it shows that they are taking an active interest in making sure that everyone is as safe and secure as possible. And they didn't do the two-week pre-fight quarantine, which was suggested by Dr. Zach Benny, who is an epidemiologist, and they have not said they're going to be COVID-19 testing. So to expect the UFC to go above and beyond at this point is a little... Um, I don't see it happening. I just, I don't think they're going to. Now, if I'm wrong, that's fantastic. I'd like to be wrong because I'd like to know that these folks are all safe. But I don't know that. And until the UFC shows us that they're going to do this testing, we should all um, kind of err on the side of caution here and, and wonder exactly what's going on with with that COVID-19 testing and screening for all three of these events and the ones that are going to go down in the future. UFC President Dana White uh, spoke to ESPN's Brett Akamoto the other day and said something kind of curious about Jorge Masvidal and I think, let me see here, he said that they had an inter interesting matchup possibly for Masvidal that was not welterweight champion Kamara Usman. Um, quote is, we're talking about a few different things. We have something else interesting from Masvidal too. We were just talking about that Thursday. We'll see. I don't really understand this um, This one. I don't. Masvidal is at the height of his popularity. It is the height of his earning potential window. If it's not going to be 
Usman. I don't really know who it could be. Let me check out. Let's pull up the rankings here. That uh, who it could be that would earn him the kind of payday he is looking for. So welterweight, welterweight, welterweight. Um, Woodley is gonna. Woodley's probably lined up to fight somebody. Um, could it be Covington? Maybe, but probably not. And then you go down the line, and you see nothing really, uh, except for Conor McGregor. So the only fight I think that would make sense for Masvidal at this point from a money standpoint would be McGregor or Usman. Now, if you're going to go totally off the wall and throw, you know, St. Pierre or Nick Diaz in there, I mean, maybe those fights, I mean, those fights definitely get you money. Uh, the Diaz fight, I don't think makes sense, even if it's a possibility, because how many people that aren't hardcore fans really remember Nick Diaz at this point? Um, McGregor fight obviously is a money fight for anyone, and I think that Masvidal would would jump at that from the from that standpoint. But the title fight, while he's on you know the the run that he's on now, I think that's the one. Unless it's McGregor, that's the one he's got to shoot for. Anything else? Unless there's something surprising out there, I just it just doesn't make much sense to me. But we shall see. Um, we shall see. The last thing I want to talk about is the weird spot that the UFC and its fighters are in, and this is kind of related to uh, Michelle Waterson telling MMA Fighting that that they haven't asked for hazard pay or a pay above and beyond the normal pay. Uh, just She says she's just grateful and appreciative that she still has the ability to fight and do what I love to do and make an income doing that. There are a lot of people out there that aren't as fortunate, and I'm just happy about being able to fight. And that was from a MMA fighting interview. Um, so I, I've, I definitely believe the fighters should be getting hazard pay for these for these three fights and for the foreseeable foreseeable future and that that hazard pay should be rolled into their normal uh, fight show show money so that when their contracts move up to the next to the next level they are paid based on that show and hazard pay and and until a vaccine's developed i i believe that hazard pay should stay in effect so so it's weird. The, the weird situation is right now the UFC needs the fighters more than ever to make the money for Endeavor. Um, without the fighters, they, the, the UFC more or less is just three, three letters. Like, like uh, Lorenzo Fertitta has said, what, when they bought the UFC, they bought three letters. So, without the fighters, Endeavor has three letters. But then by the same token, these fighters 
are not very organized and the very nature of the sport means that they're looking out for themselves more than looking out for a, a big picture. And so it's very difficult for someone to say no right now because they need the money and they know if they say no, they'll go to the bottom of the list and have to wait to um, get another fight booked unless they are a big star. Then, then they go to the middle to the higher end of the list. But so it's a, it's a, it's a weird, weird thing to think about in the, in the big picture in that you have this situation where the fighters could effectively really shut down the UFC and really impact its ability to make money for Endeavor, but they won't stick together. And that is that means that if one or two or 10 or 12 fighters say they're going to take a stand, doesn't mean the rest are going to. So I can guarantee you the majority of fighters just because of the way the UFC pay is structured and how low it is and that there's no real benefits outside of injury insurance during fight week that these fighters, many of them, most of them need the money. So if someone says no, someone that is cheaper will probably say yes. So it's a, it's a difficult spot. To be in, you, you probably want to get more money. You probably want to hold the UFC's feet to the fire in this situation, but without a unified front, that's an impossibility. So, I would like to see it happen, but I don't think it will. Um, it's just the ugly way this sport works, and that's why the UFC keeps the fighters pay so low is so they are always uh, maybe not literally hungry but figuratively hungry and they need that money and they need to say yes and that benefits no one but the UFC and in a spot like this where that where all these fights are being made more or less I, I believe to put some money in Endeavor's coffers the, the fighters could really, really stand to uh, stick together on this one, and they could really do some damage to the UFC if they if they chose to do so. But it does not like look like they're going to choose to do that, and that is unfortunate because without all the fighters, none of the fighters can can make this stand and have any kind of impact. So. It's a it's a it's a lose lose situation unless you have every fighter on the roster, or at least the vast majority and all of the big names on the roster, saying you know what, unless you pay us, these three events aren't going to go off. So, and then there's always the fact that the UFC will never forget that that took place. So again, it has to be a united front, or it's just not going to work. I wish it would work. I wish someone would stand up to them, the UFC and say, you know, we need to be paid our fair share and not 16% of the revenue. We need 40 to 50% of the revenue. Even 35% is double what it 
a little more than double what it is right now, which is not great, but it's a hell of an improvement over what's being paid right now. So I would, I hope that these fighters see this big picture and somehow try and get together and, and try and organize, but it's an uphill battle on many fronts. I mean, I think the easiest part would be to get the fighters to agree, and then you have to go through all the work to, uh, to form an association and hope the UFC is going to work with you, which there's a 99% chance that they are not. So it's a weird spot. I don't envy the fighters in this one, especially the fighters who would like to uh, make some changes. But it's just kind of the nature of the sport right now, and it's going to take a sea change to uh, to do anything really with this. Uh, it's just an ugly situation, and it's not helped by the fact that Endeavor has no um, real income and right no real income right now, and the only big generator it has. Uh, for the foreseeable future is the UFC. So that's uh, that's about all I have for today. I will be back on Monday night with some more, I'm sure. Maybe we'll get some more information on the safety and health plan, which is as good as a blank sheet of paper right now for these Jacksonville events. Uh, but I'm not counting on that. So I will talk to you tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.